As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the latest edition of the Audible presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Bruce Feldman. Special guest today, Stu is on vacation. I think he's out of the country. Um, we, know, we know Stu fancies himself now as like our own resident Steve Wiltfong. But instead, we are going to bring in a real recruiting authority for the athletic. Uh, this is Max Olson. Max actually goes to uh, campuses and, and, and is around <laughs> recruiting camps. So I'm sorry, Stu, I, you probably listened to this much, so I'm not going to bag you, but let's just call because our producer, John Hayes seems to be amused at not for the podcast, little disclosures. I put. Let's call this whole episode, not for the podcast, since it's a stew free environment. Max, thanks for joining us today. An, an unauthorized uh, edition of the audible. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Okay. So um, last weekend I went out, the Elite 11 was at a regional camp here in Los Angeles. I went out to that. Um, You were on the road in the Dallas Fort Worth area and saw probably a lot more prospects um, at TCU. And we would like to share kind of what we saw, not just on quarterbacks, because you saw more than just quarterbacks, but we want to start there and we'll get into some other things among uh, NIL chatter as well as in the wake of ryan day made some interesting comments to cleveland.com about what i don't want to say a salary cap would be or kind of a budget for what a top program should be right now as well as a few other things in the offshoot of that where since max is here and he's the foremost authority on things in the portal we will kind of pick his brain on that but let's start with what your observations were at a very, very big and fertile uh, recruiting camp. Yeah, it was good to be on the road uh, again and and uh, see. It's been a few years, I guess, probably just because of the pandemic and stuff. Since I went out to a uh, an actual football camp, and this was the um, you know the the TCU mega camp. They had kind of it was an interesting weekend. They had dueling mega camps at TCU and SMU, both calling them the second annual uh, mega camp. Um, you know, SMU did this last year with Sonny Dykes. Sonny Dykes moved across town to TCU and, uh, 
you know, that they were competing for kids and coaches and all that. But, um, you know, it was, it was really cool, really well run event. Um, and just thousands of kids, co- you know, hundreds of coaches from all over the country. Um, it, it was a reminder too of just like, you know, how, how tough it is to get these offers. I mean, there's just so many kids that, um, are coming out to this, you know, not just in the, the 23 class, but 24, 25, trying to get noticed. And like you would watch, you know, position drills and stuff like that. And they'd get done and, and maybe only three or four or five kids would have a coach come up to them and, you know, exchange contact information and maybe invite them out to a camp and stuff like that. I, there was, there was more than that, obviously, but it, it's still, um, a lot of kids out there trying to get these offers and especially with the, you know, the rise of the transfer portal and, and these coaches saving so many scholarship spots now for uh, transfers. It, it is a little harder out there for the high school athlete to, to get noticed and get an offer. And um, you, you see a lot of them end up at FCS or JC just because there's fewer opportunities out there at the moment. And, and I think that'll change here over the next few years, but um, it was cool to see. And, and Sonny Dykes had a good message to the campers I saw, which was, you know, telling them that, and, and there's coaches from all levels of football out there, but telling them like, if you really, really want to f- play football, there's a school out there for you, you know, don't, you know, be realistic, obviously, but don't, you know, don't give up on it because football can take you pretty far. And, uh, you know, hopefully it works out for, uh, for a lot of those kids, but yeah, it was pretty cool to see. And, and we also saw, uh, there was a superstar in attendance. Uh, Nico was there. He wasn't working out at the camp. He wasn't, uh, throwing passes or anything like that. He didn't, you know, need to, uh, you know, the Tennessee commit did not need to impress TCU's coaching staff or anybody there, but, uh, he and his camp were there, uh, because his brother Madden was, uh, trying to get noticed and trying to get offered like all these other kids. So, uh, cool to see like a, a kid who's legitimately among these, uh, these high school recruits now kind of a, uh, kind of a superstar. So in, I was going to ask you this a minute ago. So, what percentage of the top, like when I say top rated, you know, guys, we know what their star star ranking might be of the 2023 kids who already had a bunch of offers were actually there competing and what were just, you know, if they were there just hanging out and being seen and maybe recruiting for other places or the schools they're going to. Yeah, I think we're still kind of it's been kind of the transition over the last 10 years or so that that, you know, those big time 23 recruits that have a lot of offers for them, June's maybe more about going out and taking official visits than actually going to work out at camps. Um, you know, if you're already established, you've already got, you know, got your top 10 or top five or whatever, then you're not so much interested in, in going out to a camp. Now there's some exceptions to that. You know, there's some places like Clemson or Alabama where you, you need to come out to a camp and you need to prove it before we're going to give you a commendable offer. But um, yeah, in a lot of cases you weren't seeing maybe a ton of those 23 kids that, that have a bunch of offers going through camps. Um, this is really a lot of those guys that, you know, maybe they're undiscovered in that class um, and just, you know, the recruiting hasn't maybe gone the way they thought it would so far. And, and in a lot of cases, the kids that were walking out of there with offers were uh, 24 and 25, which is, you know, it's it's funny talking to coaches lately. And I'm sure you, this has come up in, in your talks with them, too. Like, you know, usually when they go out on the road in May, it's to try and look at that 24, 25 class, look ahead, start to make some of those offers, kind of start building those relationships and the coaches I talked to, like May was really about finishing the roster. It was still about, you know, hosting a lot of visits and, you know, you're going to, you know, talk to the, a lot of these portal kids. You're talking to a lot of junior college kids because you're trying to kind of put those finishing uh, touches on, on some of your needs after the spring. Uh, so some of that early recruiting that a lot of these coaches are known for has kind of gotten slowed down a little bit just by all of the work that you have to do in the portal and, and in trying to uh, finish up these classes. So um, yeah, hectic time for these coaches. And now they, of course, they, they go hit the road all over again, for these mega camps before hosting their own. 
Now, Bruce, you you also hit the road. You went out to uh, the Elite 11 uh, regional camp, I believe, on Sunday um, out in your neck of the woods there. Um, how, you know, I, I, I'm endlessly fascinated by this, this 23 quarterback class and what they're going through right now, but you also got to look ahead a little bit. How was, uh, how was going out to lead 11 and, uh, surveying the future of the quarterback position? It was good. I mean, you know, for me, I, <laughs> full disclosure, I didn't hit the road very hard. I, it was a 10 minute <laughs> drive from where I lived, but, um, it was good to see a lot of the people that, you know, I've, I've been around before a bunch of those old elite 11 coaches I knew, um, the guy who jumped out at me more than any other by far was Dylan Rayola, who is not a 2023. I have heard of him. Yeah. Yes. Famous dad, um, former, you know, standout offensive lineman from a school, you know, well, Mm -hmm. and he's committed to Ohio state. And the thing you notice about him physically is he doesn't, you know, he's not going to be a senior. He looks like he's should be even more than a senior in college. Like, he has a huge, uh, thick lower body. He is just like, looks like he is a 23 year old man. And then when you meet him, he kind of carries himself like that too. There's a, there's a, um, I don't know how to describe it, but just a very ease with him that like, I could see how people could, could buy into him, you know, like Mm -hmm. all I want to say is he was every bit as advertised. Um, he threw it really well. He competed where, you know, like this is a kid who probably, I don't want to say doesn't need to compete, but like there was somebody who could just kind of like, he already committed to Ohio state. I think he had Ohio, you know, like an Ohio state backpacker, you know, there and was just very impressive, both physically and how he threw it. Also his demeanor and how, how he interacted with people. I was like, okay. It was like a couple other kids. I, I didn't know anything about, um, who you just kind of like, I would ask, Hey, who is that kid? And there's mm-hmm. a kid, Israel Carter, who comes from Corona, Corona Centennial, which has produced a ton of players over, you know, the last few years, he's um, committed to Arizona state. He's somebody where he would do some really good things that you would notice. I, I mean, I can't say I watched every rep he took, but definitely kind of popped. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a few other kids like that. I, you know, ended up meeting where there was a, a big, you know, pretty sturdy kid from the San Diego area who has, he's a lacrosse player who has, you know, a bunch of high academic, you know, has army Navy offers has, you know, some other, um, I think some more group of five offers was just a, you know, was a, was pretty impressive. You just notice them. Um, there was a kid who was six, eight, also from the San Diego area. He was a quarterback who, um, has like Nevada and has a few of those schools where well, like, I'd like man, to see a six, eight kid play at army or Navy. That'd be pretty cool. Oh, he's, I think he's more <laughs> of a, a West coast, but like he's a volleyball slash basketball player who like was impressive watching him get around. He was, it was, um, Jack's Leatherwood. I think he's listed at, on two, four, seven as six, six, two fifteen. He looked a lot more than six, six. He might, I mean, I think he was listed at six, eight. I think he has offers from Nevada and San Diego state. My guess is he will have more than that before too long. Um, there was, you know, there was a bunch of kids who like, uh, maybe didn't know it. Maybe there were three-star guys. You're like, Oh, I remember what a three-star guy looked like before. And they, these guys were every bit <laughs> as impressive as them. And, and wasn't, um, I want to say you told me Zach Wilson's brother was out there too. Zach, yeah. Zach Wilson's brother was there. He looks just like him. He's not a huge kid, but the ball jumps out of his hand as well. Um, he is a 2024, I believe was very impressive. 
Uh, Riola seems like, you know, that was a huge get for Ohio State, um, has a chance to be the number one player in the country in, in that 24 class. I imagine just based on you getting to be around him and kind of getting a sense of his personality, like that's one of those kids where when they say like they want to go out and recruit, you know, the number one class in the country, you probably buy it just in terms of uh, kind of uh, the maturity and, and, and probably his ability to connect with other kids. Absolutely. Like a thousand percent. I, I think of this a little bit, Max, you and I have both been around a lot of, you know, touted recruits, especially at that position where I got to admit, like some, not always, but sometimes you come away kind of underwhelmed by either the maturity or the demeanor that comes with it. And again, not you, always, you get reminded but, of the age gap a little bit sometimes with these kids. Yeah, when you talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and even the ones who like kind of, you know, you, you think in retrospect, okay, you know, like, but, but he, and again, a lot of these quarterbacks actually have, you know, are, are their second generation. It's not like that position is definitely one where, you know, either they're coaches, kids or something, not all, but like, but just in the, a little bit of observing him, he definitely was like, all right, I, I, I get it. There's been other times where you see a kid and you're like, eh, I'm not sure I get it with this one. You know, I think maybe they love the film and then mm-hmm. you start to be around and you're like, and, it, and sometimes it comes back to, you know, you look back and I'm like, I could see why this didn't work out because of how their demeanor was or something. Some of those things, especially with that, that position. Well, Elite um, 11 can be helpful in that in that way, especially those finals in terms of like if you get around the kid and you get, get around the parents, sometimes yeah, you can maybe pick up some of those red flags that end up bearing out over the next few years. Yeah, it's such an intangible position and you can kind yeah. of see it. Right. And so not always, but especially with like the kid who's kind of aloof and just like, all right, what's, you know, what's it going to be like when they're not the anointed guy, when they have to prove themselves every day. And that you see that a lot when, you know, the kid who was the five-star and all of a sudden, you know, people like Stu know him as the five-star. And then all of a sudden it's like, you just kept getting, you know, people are like, the expectation is so high. Whereas sometimes for the player who wasn't that, you know, maybe they, they're able to just kind of get comfortable at a time and it's just a little different. So, so you, you feel like Dylan Rayola, that, now that's an example of a kid. If you're, if you're making a multi-million dollar investment in a kid, that's, that's not a bad one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, so I wanted to ask you this. So like you, we've seen some of these on social media, but there was a, uh, a tweet I sent you from somebody saying, these are the luxury car updates of these, um, you know, three particular high profile players. Mm-hmm. One is Bijan Robinson. That is a Lamborghini. The other one is CJ Stroud. And it was a Bentley. Cause initially that's what I think was reported from cleveland.com maybe. Yeah. You know, CJ Stroud, he was, he was getting a $150,000 Bentley, but then there was helpful, a correction later on that actually he changed his mind and he took the $200,000 G wagon. So CJ Stroud rolling in the G wagon this season. Good for you, CJ. Yes. And then the third one was Quinn Ewers, former five-star quarterback recruit mm-hmm. from Ohio state. Now mm-hmm. at Texas, Ashton Martin. Um, that's like, isn't that a bond car or wasn't it the bond car? <laughs> I, the interior, I can, I couldn't tell by the picture. Is it, was it a burnt orange interior? It sort of looked like maybe it was or red. It, I, I couldn't tell. Yeah. It's hard to, it definitely had, had that look. Maybe that was just the way the film was shot, but um you know, my first reaction was like, all right, one of these is different than the other two, because obviously Bijan is a proven star player and certainly CJ Stroud was last year. Um, 
the Quinn Ewers one, you know, he went, he left early and went, um, went to Ohio state, didn't end up playing. And now he's in at UT. Obviously the expectations are sky high. You were in the mm-hmm. state of Texas. What do you think happens there? <laughs> um, he, that's been, uh, certainly one of the most interesting guys to talk about with other coaches this, this off season. Cause there is a lot of, I think around the country, a lot of fascination with, um, you know, sort of, can this kid live up to this? Um, and I, I don't know, like, I think I'm sure some people like, this will normalize over time that like, uh, you know, the best players on, on your team are, are going to have nice cars, you know, probably that's just going to be a thing we get used to in terms of NIL stuff. But like, when you see a picture of, Oh, you know, this is what Quinn years is driving right now. Um, like, do, do you, is your instinct when you look at that to be like, man, he better play well this year. It's a good question. So I got to admit, like a year ago, I remember Travion Henderson, you know, a terrific running back last year at Ohio State. I think he posted something with like, I don't know what the car is, an $80,000 car, whatever it was. And I just remember thinking like, man, a year ago, you know, like that would be like set off so many alarm bells. And now this is like, this is then this will be the norm. And mm-hmm. I have zero problem with it because, um, you know, player like that, especially is bringing in a ton of money to a program like that. He's putting his body at risk, all that, you know, people are making a lot of money. The coaches are making a lot of money off that player. People around the program are making a lot of money, you know, good for him, good for his family, all that. The, the part that's a little, maybe I'm overthinking it, but when you get a player who is, um, you know, who's largely unproven, I mean, yeah. you know, you can say whatever you want about, Oh, this guy was a five-star. He won championships in high school. But I think when it's like, to me, that's a different animal. And I'm not saying they shouldn't get anything, but I was like, man, there, there's so much pressure now going on them. And so right. I think this is a good, you know, kind of launch point in where, <laughs> If you look, and I went back and looked at like the last 10 years of five-star quarterbacks rated, the hit rate is about 30%. Mm-hmm. That's before all this. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, man, I'm not saying that like you can't succeed if you've gone in without it, but I just think it's going to be so much harder now. Right. So I think so. I, you know, and it's, you think back to last year um, and, and I, and I don't, I'm not dissing these guys at all, but. I mean, keep in mind that before the season started, probably two of the guys that made the most money of anybody probably would be Spencer Rattler um, and, and DJ at Clemson, you know, and those mm-hmm. are two guys that, that, you know, different circumstances, obviously, but two guys that struggled last season and now Spencer Rattler's at a new place. And um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not saying making money has anything to do with that, but I do think that probably right now as again, as this stuff, it's still going to take time for people to get used to this a little bit. Um, there, there probably is a little bit of like we, you know, there, an expectation is is built up um, quite a bit before these kids get to campus or before these kids are, you know, in, in Spencer Rattler's case, obviously he'd played a season. DJ had only played a couple of games going into last year, but um, you know, <laughs> the, these these companies want to you know invest in guys that they think might end up being you know top picks and all that stuff, and and so these guys are going to make a lot of money pretty early in their careers. And, and in some cases like, you know, B. John Robinson or CJ Stroud, like have big enough followings that for a car dealership, like that's probably a good move, you know, it makes sense. Um, or, I mean, you know, Bijan 
having a Lambo isn't going to make me go out and buy a Lambo, but I get why Lambo would say that's, that's a good guy to get behind. Um, you know, I think that I, I do think there's going to be more pressure on these kids. Um, and there's a whole, there's the whole separate, like, you know, these sort of like the, the more of like the NIL contract discussion that comes with this too, with this next class. But um, I do think it's a lot on Quinn Ewers. I, I, I do. And, 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 I, you know, I can see why he's worth a lot, whether he was, you know, going into his Ohio state um, and, and taking the deal that he did in, in passing up his senior year or at Texas where everyone, you know, does want to believe that this guy, you know, has a chance to be the savior, the kid that, that kind of gets them back on top. Um, I do think it's a lot for a kid to handle, especially in his case, a kid that in my eyes is like still pretty much a true freshman. I mean, to go through one semester at Ohio state doesn't necessarily mean you've got a huge edge on, on, you know, other kids in that 23 class. Um, you know, I think that uh, there, he's still got a lot to learn in, in terms of Sark's offense and in terms of what's going on at Texas. So I, I don't know. I, I had this conversation with somebody a week ago and tell me if you buy this or not. Like, so Quinn Ewers is probably going to get judged pretty, pretty critically good or bad in terms of this, this first season at Texas. Like it's easy to forget, like it took Vince Young three years at Texas, you know, like, does it, you know, back, like, there's definitely guys where, you know, it's like, uh, is it, is it, is it, are we in a bad place now in terms of impatience and in terms of like quarterback development, where you kind of make this sort of snap judgment on a guy now after a year and, and whether he's the guy or not. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure in some ways that kind of feeds these guys going into the portal. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, look, Carson Palmer had a pretty average career until Norm Chow got there the last year, and then he had a huge year, and he ended up winning the Heisman. But I think it's in a different time now. Everything is yep. so toxic online, you know, where I think it's hard if if somebody doesn't come out of get like I can think of examples, you know, whether it's Tate Martell or where people are just waiting for them to fail. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, um, I think it'll be that way with yours probably. Yeah. And I, I'll be honest. Like, I don't know if I've ever heard Quinn Ewers say anything. I don't know if I've ever, <laughs> like, I'm not saying he hasn't, but yeah. I was like, I don't know if I've ever heard him say anything. I don't like have, like, I don't have an opinion on, on Quinn Ewers personality or anything, you know, like I, this. the public doesn't really know that much about the kid at this point. Yeah. No. Other I than the moves know, he's made. Yeah, that's the extent of it. I think maybe they know and they can look and see what his hairstyle was. And that's a South Lake thing. Um, I don't, you know, it's just, I don't want to say it's, it's unfortunate because on one hand he is like, I think people will justify it easily now, as opposed to, you know, Tate Martell, let's say somebody could have invested a ton of money in him as a recruit because they're saying not just are we getting him he was a five-star but also he can maybe bring some of his teammates yeah yeah exactly and then there's that brings value whereas in the case of of uh quinn hewers no matter what he made a it seems like he made a bunch of money last year without really without playing in games and this year he's benefiting so there is something where i think people rationalize go you know what I'm not going to feel bad for the kid because I didn't make any of that kind of money when mm-hmm. I was a regular student and I didn't play any game, you know, like that kind of mm-hmm. thing. I think that'll happen. Like I brought up to Stu last week on the podcast, we were talking about, you know, five stars that didn't have the careers they were, they were hyped to have. And one of them, I, you know, was one that's near and dear to his heart, which is Hunter Johnson. Cause he transferred to his alma mater. Now, 
you know, you can say whatever you want about his career as a, on the field, maybe live, not living up to it, mm-hmm. but you know, he's got, you know, like two master's degrees. And so in a large degree, it has worked out for him because he's took advantage of what his athletic gifts have opened up the door for. And now maybe if he came along five years earlier, he would have probably got seven figures. Maybe. But at the same yeah, time, depending on where you got, go. You know, he, yeah. Yeah. He's got big degrees and good for him. And, you know, who knows, you know, what path he wants to go there. I just think it's interesting. And you've done this too, where we've talked to former big recruits who maybe it didn't work out the way. And their perspective is interesting because I think some of it is a little bit bruised because they've heard and been in the comments or something to some degree. You know, I remember doing a story a couple of years ago about, you know, the class that had Max Brown and, and, mm-hmm. and Hackenberg and, um, you know, there's a few other kids in there and obviously it was the same class that also had Baker and, um, some other, and, uh, I think Goff in there, but yeah. it, it's interesting to hear their opinions, but now you're going to have people who, I think because there's more social media presence, but also because there's now a value, whether it's a car value or a dollar value that's put on them. I just think it's going to be so much more of a loaded thing for them to untangle. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, the thing I noticed in tracking the transfer portal um, is we're kind of in a situation, we're kind of in a just sort of like a culture now among the quarterbacks. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. This is just the reality that first of all, like I've studied four years of, you know, top 50 quarterback recruits. And and we're at a point now where if you don't start in your first two years, 90% of those guys are going to transfer, you know, like there's just an expectation now that it's going to happen right away. And if it doesn't, Got to go somewhere else. And even the guys that do start right away, a lot of them transfer too. Um, but we're, we're at a point now where about 75% of these guys end up transferring at some point during their career, whether it's right away because they picked the wrong school or it's a grad transfer. But it just seems like we're we're in a situation now and there's a lot of guys that, that this is not the case and they stick around and they overcome it. But, but you know, those stories feel like they're increasingly rare where it's kind of like where if one thing goes wrong, then you move on to the next place, you know? And, and there are even guys that, you know, in this this most recent portal cycle, you would say that, you know, you wouldn't expect Dylan Gabriel to be playing somewhere else, but you get hurt. And then, you know, he went through coaching change and then he and then he got hurt. And now he's, you know, there's somewhere else he needs to be. Um, or Jackson Dart, you would never think that. I mean, we didn't get to see that much of him last year at USC, but they go through a coaching change. The new coach decides they want to recruit somebody else. And now you're at Ole Miss. You know, I think it's it, it, the development of these guys is, is so interesting to me because it can just be one thing going wrong, whether it's your offensive coordinator or your head coach 
or your first injury or your first setback, it does seem like, um, you know, you kind of move on or they recruit over you or whatever. And I'm not saying that there's something wrong with quarterbacks these days, but that, that's just kind of the game now. And which is why I find, you know, investing a lot of money in this 23 class, I find it so interesting because, um, you know, how many of these guys are, are really good bets, you know, and, and what happens, maybe they're less likely to leave if they're locked into a contract. And so they, they feel like they have to stick around, but um, you know, it's, it's hard to bet on which of these guys really pan out. And I found over, over a four year period of, of top 50 quarterback recruits, like Bruce, how many, how many of those guys do you think actually go three and out, go three and, and pro out of 200 uh, kids of quarterbacks? Yeah. Um, I would say six of 200. Six. Exactly right. Yeah. Is that right? Oh. Yeah, that's right. That's a good guess. I mean, I, I'd they, love to have been that way in school. Like, <laughs> I guess right. That's a that's a hell of a guess. But that's you know, and, and there's just there's just not. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, Sam Howell. There's a couple of those guys that you would maybe you could have guessed that from the start of their career. But there's just not that many of those guys where it goes exactly like you think it is over over a three or four year period. I'd ask you this. So let's say you know you have a quarterback whose dollar value. For, I'm, I'm talking about a, re- a recruit, not a established quarterback. Seven figures. Let's say it's six million dollars. Let's say it's eight million dollars. How many quarterbacks in the last fifteen years of college football would you say, since you've been covering the sport, mm-hmm. would you say would have been worth that to their university? <laughs> well, and that's. But like you, you got to remember, like they're they're also like so right now Quinn Ewers is the savior, but Texas is trying to get Arch Manning, right? So it's like yeah. it's like you're you you might invest that in somebody, but you're still going to also keep going after the next guy too, and 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 trying to do whatever you got to do on the next guy. So over you said over a fifteen year period, I would say no, I don't like I would say let's say just in the last since two thousand and I know Cam Newton would be the. Uh, let's say 2010. Let's never say that again. Okay. That's how taking Vince Young out. That's taking Tebow out. That's yeah. Taking... How many true program changers? Yeah, that would be worth, that would have been worth that money if that's what you were talking about. I I mean, I, I, I think there's, there's certainly value in like taking care of the guy once they've proven, proven themselves and keeping them on your campus and that, you know, sort of that kind of thing. Um, but in terms of buying, buying the recruit and they stuck with you for three or four years and they changed, you know, the status of your program. I mean, there's not that many of those guys. There, there's, there's really successful guys that have helped, you know, at Alabama or Ohio state, like maintain the level you were at. Right. But like, let's, let's, I'll throw some names. You tell me what you think they would have been worth. Nah, I mean, this is, but, by the way, I got the, here's the three and out list. Okay. Of this, the, I okay. looked at the quarterback classes of, 2016 through 2019. Justin Fields, who transferred. Yeah. Jake Fromm, Sam Howell. Oh, Jake Trevor Fromm. Lawrence. I would know. Jake, Jake Fromm would. maybe shouldn't have three and out, but yeah, Jake Fromm went three and out. Sam Howell, Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tunga Vailoa, and the late Dwayne Haskins. That's it. Wow. Um, all right. So I'm going to say, I would think all these guys, so they, they were quarterbacks who won the Heismans, but some more than others. Cam Newton, absolutely yes. RG three, he, he was wor- he was worth whatever he got paid. Yes, for sure. And then some. RG three, sure, sure, yeah. Ooh, here's the wild card of all wild cards: Johnny Football. The money Johnny Football could have commanded from that audience. Oh man, 
Um, that would be that would be fascinating, and I'm I'm sure he's probably even talked about this before on one of his podcasts or something. The the like the I would love to know the real figure of what Johnny made in college and the real figure what he thinks he could have made in college. You know, because it'd be unbelievable I, that year that know. year post Heisman. Like, how much money could he have made? Yeah, I I just remembered I used to have a, a phone uh, uh, image on my phone of. The year after he won the Heisman, or the 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 off season after he won the Heisman, I remember going into a, it may have been that store near like Lucci's building, Lucci's business, where uh-huh. it was like there was a Johnny rack of stuff, of all two stuff and everything, and that's whatever it was, two thousand and fourteen, I think, um, or two thousand thirteen, I guess it was, uh, Jameis. I don't think I, you know, I could be wrong. I don't think Jameis was worth as much to that place as the previous three guys were. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure Jameis was, yeah, sure. Jameis is a good investment. Jameis sure. is definitely, yeah, where, yeah. Uh, Mariota, they named a building after him there. <laughs> Lamar wasn't a, wasn't a five star guy. No, it was a three star guy. Yeah. Lamar, another one also. Um, Iconic program for the player. Mm-hmm. Baker, mm-hmm. also not a big recruit. Walk on. Yep, sure. Five star Kyler Murray. Um, so when Kyler Murray said, "This is not to to downgrade his ability," but he was kind of he was sandwiched in between Baker and Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying yeah. that the you know like of the ones here, like of this group, and all the last couple, the last two are Joe Burrow. I would argue he's the greatest player, most impactful player yep. they've ever had yep. there, and Bryce Young. Um, of this list, these guys, these guys are all worth a lot of money. Bruce, a couple of are. them transferred, a couple of them, a couple of them didn't. You know, they did this somewhere else. Um, and like, I don't know. It's it, I, I kind of I get where you're going with this, but like, it, it's hard. It's kind of hard to pick out Heisman winners, isn't it? <laughs> like, it, like it if you as a high schooler, like I would have thought for sure. Trevor Lawrence and and probably Tua would for sure win a Heisman, you know. And those guys well, are worth every a penny. A bunch of these like, guys are three star guys. Johnny was a three star. Mariota was a three star. I think Lamar was. Baker Lamar, was. Lamar wasn't a five star. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Baker, whatever. Um, Baker had to walk on at Tech. Yeah. So it was like you know, kind of a whatever, a mixed bag of that. So. Yeah, yeah, it's like, and that's where I, you know, it's, it's been interesting talking with, um, you know, these coaches that are in the race for, for some of these, you know, there's, there's these a couple of really big quarterback races uh, still going on right now, whether it's Jaden Rashada, whether it's Dante Moore, um, Avery Johnson, um, certainly Arch Manning, obviously, but um, <laughs> like, you, I'm fascinated to see where these guys pick and like, kind of, is it, do relationships ultimately went out for some of these guys, or is it kind of more about what they feel like the bottom line of whatever the best deal is? Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, you, you I, I don't know. How, how do you see that as, as some of these guys kind of like get shopped around here a little bit? Like what's, do you just sort of take the, take the money or you, do you think ultimately the schools that kind of have the, the best combination of, you know, they've been on this kid for a long time and they can kind of put together a solid deal. Kind of, can they win out? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be hard for people, you know, who are may not have a lot of the resources to turn down the money because it's almost like you say, well, how committed are they to me? 
you know, you just said a couple of minutes ago about like, we talked about yours and you're talking about, but they're already, you know, they're already really after our next one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of how it it works. I mean, so where I was kind of starting to go with this is like, if, if you use the example of Kyler, so in that same class, the number one ranked quarterback in the whole country at that point was Josh Rosen. Number mm-hmm. two, Blake Barnett. Number three mm-hmm. was Kyler. Number four was Jarrett Stidham. So all those guys would have made a ton of money. All no, those no guys question. would have made a ton of money. Um, you know, you know Stidham just, and flipping from Texas Tech to Baylor probably would have got a great deal. Kyler and sort of threatening to decommit. You know, he would have probably made more than any of these guys, but, but certainly Rosen and, and Barnett too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, especially where they are, right. Like, do you remember the drama? I think you did a story on this about, you know, Kyler's situation and yeah. you know what was going on back there with, with Texas versus A&M and all the fireworks there. So I, I, I think it's, it's kind of an interesting snapshot to look back of, okay, this is what it was. And this is, this is what it, what it could have been. Well, do you, okay. So do you look at a Josh Rosen or, I mean, obviously a a Blake Barnett, but like, do you look at a Josh Rosen where it hadn't gone the way he thought it would in the pros? And you'd say like, you know, I guess good on you if you can make as much as you can in college. Yeah. I mean, I I think look, people are going to say some of these kids and Rosen certainly there because people know that his family comes from money. And so I think they would look at it and go, well, it's not going to be how much of a a life change or what it had been for Rosen. I mean, Rosen went to UCLA to get three offensive coordinators in three years. He's had a bunch of, you know, like ultimately I think he chose the school because he wanted to be there as opposed to most times you know, people look for football circumstances more than anything else. And so I'd be, I'd be curious because, you know, if, you know, at some point and it may be sooner than later, he may sit down and go, okay, this is how I evaluated my process. This is where I could have, you know, maybe I regret this turn. I'm guessing he would not have, he would not be the one who would be talking about like regrets of circumstance, you know, like, I mean, he still got drafted. Yeah. He fell in the draft a little bit, but like he still got drafted about where he would have, if he'd gone to other schools, you'd think, right? If not higher. Yeah. Yeah. An 11th or 10th overall pick. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'd be curious, you know, Blake Barnett is somebody who, you know, he went from, he went from Alabama. Can Can you do all these? Can you do it? No, because I'm going to miss a junior college. But Alabama, there was an Arizona State in there. There's yep. certainly USF. Yep. I don't remember what the junior colleges were. You know, I think it was, was all- Bama to a junior college for a semester to go to Arizona State or something like that. Yeah. And it, in high school, what I remember, because he was somebody I wrote about in the QB book, was it was at one point committed to Notre Dame. I think he was leaning, if not committed, to Oregon. So there was, you know, there was a lot of hats that he probably owns, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's hard. I think it's hard if you're that, that kid of just like, how do you sort out the landscape? If everybody's coming at you. Yeah. You know? And that's where I, I'm, I'm just going to be so interested to see how these 23 kids, like kind of how it works out for them, because um, I, I don't fault anybody, you know, it, it, it sort of seems like, you know, you've got Jaden Rashada and Dante Moore out there who are just like taking a ton of visits who seem very open-minded to, um, you know, where they end up here. And, and I'm, I'm sure like in the case of Dante Moore, that's really stressing out Notre Dame fans and, and all that, like it's, it's, it's hard to get a read on kind of how some of these are going to play out ultimately, you know, though, like 
the kid, the kid is like still got to go to the place and, and win the battle and, and be the guy, you know, like it's still going to be. And, and to some degree, you know, you make these promises and these recruiting processes and certainly financially now making promises to these guys, but um, you know, ultimately you've got to pick the place where you can get on the field and, 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 you know, have a, you know, have a real chance to sort of maximize what uh, everyone's making your potential out to be. So um, you know, can these guys make better choices, you know, based on, um, you know, based on getting good deals and stuff, or, or ultimately do they end up in the portal? Like everybody else, I, I, you know, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of moving, moving pieces here, a lot of moving dominoes right now, even, you know, Alabama took Eli Holstein, but is still recruiting these guys too. So like, it's, I think there's going to be, um, the, the musical chairs here to use another analogy, uh, is, is still far from over with that class. Okay, I'm gonna. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about this because, as I said, you are the portal authority. For we still got to talk about the Ryan Day comments too. Yeah, we'll get to that. Then. Okay. Um, okay, let's do Ryan Day first. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. So I thought Ryan Day. I give him credit for being pretty blunt. I think he was sending a message to pretty much everybody that matters in terms of like who can help him raise money and how invested they can be in Ohio State when he basically said how much money he thinks it takes to manage a budget for a program in the NIL era. And that's $13 million was the number he put out. Um, and he put out very specific numbers on what things are worth. Um, first of all, do you think by saying that number, all he's doing is daring coaches to blow past that and create it? Um, what do you think the upshot of him putting that number out is? Yeah. So just like with the, the Nick Saban comments that blew up, um, I believe Ryan Day was saying this to a room of people that he, he wants their money, um, which is important to consider who the audience is on these things sometimes. Um, my, so my first impression, my first thought on this, and, and I talked to coaches this weekend who kind of shared this, like, are we sure 13 million is enough? Is 13 million for one class or is it for an 85 man roster? You know, um, that's that's the, the fine thing I uh, I find curious. I think he's probably, it, you know, it, it, it's helpful to like set a number to like kind of start the conversation. And I think he did that. Um, and, and probably to the folks that, you know, Ohio State's got multiple collectives and and uh, I'm, I'm sure they're trying to trying to trying to get figured out here. Like what is kind of the path forward here for the next few years? Um I think it's helpful to to maybe open people's eyes to how much it really costs to to put together a great recruiting class right now. I think James Franklin coming out and saying right away, like it's more than that, um, you know, in, in, in a broad way, like I, I think he's probably right. He's probably right. And it's sort of to me like that when that hits my ear, it's sort of like saying, you know, that, um, you know, we can hire a great football coach for four million or five million that might be true today. It's probably not true next year. You know what I mean? Like, I think that number probably keeps going up and, you know, right now everyone is in such a competitive place of trying to feel like they're caught up or, and not falling behind um, in, in NIL. So 13 million might sound like a reasonable number today. I don't think that it's going to be true, you know, a year from now, I think it's going to be way more than that. But what, what do you think? Does that sound reasonable to you? Do you foresee a time where, there is a, some players who end up with the living arrangements of some of the fanciest houses in town. <laughs> this is where you're going to live. This is where, you know, Bruce, when, when, when you're going through this as a parent, you know, when, when Ben's going through the, the process, 
I mean, for me, like, I, I think I would, you know, I'm sure that maybe this is short-sighted of me, but I would want to secure, you know, vehicle and housing. That would be the thing I would want to get out of this. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, think about, think about if you, and we know some, some boosters like, and know of situations where like, maybe the booster doesn't live in the town of the school he went to, Yeah, but he owns a place that he could go or his buddies could go for a big football weekend. You know what? I'm going to just designate that to our star pass rusher now or star mm-hmm. offensive tackle. Yeah. You know, Joe Smith is going to get that place now. I'll go, you know, I'll go someplace else. That would be a, that would be a game changer. <laughs> it might already be happening. We don't know. You know? <laughs> um, I like, I, I don't, the thing like, and, and maybe part of my response to this is, is shaped by like, I remember a couple of months ago in, in David Ubbins story on the athletic, like I believe wasn't, wouldn't inspire the, the collective for Tennessee saying they need to raise 25 million. I mean, isn't that, isn't that, you know, and, and like, I'm not trying to give any, you know, weight to the rumors about AM or anything, but I'm just saying, like, I think people are probably operating from a, a, a belief that, well, Oh, it's at 13. Well, we should be able to do at least 13 and probably much more. I, I you know what I mean? Like now realistically, there are not 30 programs that can do that. There's maybe 10 or 12, I think today. Um, and then there's probably a next tier of programs that when you say 13 million, they just laugh and say, we can't do that here. That's not going to, that's not going to work. I, so I, I don't know, is 13 the bar to compete for the college football playoff? I don't know. And, and the, the thing that has been kind of interesting is there's been a lot of smoke about what, people are getting i think the probably the more realistic stuff is you find out what players in the program are getting because you maybe see somebody promoting some car that they're driving but you just don't know like i'm trying there's a player in the pac-12 i know he had tweeted something about a, a high level car he's get you know he's talking about and from what i understand this player doesn't have the car there was like there was money that goes to that, but that's not the car the player actually drives. Mm. Um, mm. So. I, I mean, I, I've I, talked to coaches who, who have sort of done the spitballing of, well, okay, can we do maybe a tiered system where our best players on the team make this? And then, you know, the, the maybe the starter level guys make this and then the backups make this. Like I, I, I know people try and when, when you try and come up to that number, right. When you try and figure out like how, do, how much money do we need on a yearly basis to sort of like keep our players. Cause that's the thing that I think people are freaked out about too, is like, yeah, obviously there's inducement going on with the 23 recruiting class, but I think people are also operating from this fear of, well, if we don't, you know, I think the way Ryan day framed 13 million was to keep the guys on our roster here next year, you know, cause I think there is that, 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 you know, idea that, well, if we're not, if we're not doing what we need to be doing to take care of the guys we've got who, who are proven players, um, then, then aren't they going to go find that money somewhere, somewhere else? Right. And at one point, the number one guy on your transfer portal list, Jordan Addison had a great run at Pitt, and then he's eventually found his way into the portal. Right. And I think that is yeah. a concern. Like, I think the thing that scares coaches more than anything is the roster management piece of this is like, wait a minute, somebody could recruit somebody off our roster. And yep. there's really yep. nothing we can do about to stop. There's, somebody. And there's really, I mean, if we're being honest, it, it seems right now, like there's really no consequences, <laughs> like no right. consequences in terms of any tampering or D, you know, like even the way I've, I've talked to people who've 
given me very clear cases of what they think occurred in terms of tampering, but they don't expect the NCAA to do anything about it. So no. yeah, I there's mean, really there's easy workarounds. So, like you have a high yeah. school coach tell his player, Hey, this school wonders if you'd like to, you know, go transfer there for sure. Yeah. You just handle, you handle it through a middleman through a third party. So there's a lot of that going on. And I think that's where, like, I, I understand, um, you know, there's, there's the conversation about, well, what does it take to, you know, what kind of money does it take and, and kind of deals we have to do to sign a top recruiting class now. And in this 23 class, these kids are going to make a lot of money um, at the highest level, obviously. But I, I personally, I, I find the retention part a little more interesting of just like, what, you know, what do you need to be offering to, to keep a guy at Ohio state um, or even to keep, keep a guy at, at a, you know, a lower level program or, or even just a, you know, a, a pretty good program that, that isn't, a, you know, one of those stars matter top recruiters, but to keep, um, you know, good players in your program that, you know, probably once they do blow up are going to have, you know, in Jordan Addison's case, or even in lesser cases of just maybe a guy that, you know, has a really good freshman year. Um, how do you, how do you keep that guy in your program so that he's not just chasing, uh, you know, more bucks um, somewhere else? I, I think that even at a place like Ohio State, where you think we've got so much to offer and we are, you know, competing for championships and all that stuff, even those guys, I'm, I'm sure think about, um, you know, someone could come along and offer a kid more. Okay, Stu, back to the podcast in a second, but now a word from our sponsor, LinkedIn Talent Solutions. When you are hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a jobs board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within the first 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. So, Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash audible. That's linkedin.com slash audible to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Does any of this bother you? That's a really good question. I mean, in some ways, like you can't, you can't like talk to coaches about this stuff and not in some ways, like kind of understand the angst, right? Like understand some of the frustration about, this, you know, getting, getting very beyond their control and, and feeling like, um, you know, <laughs> that they're, they're kind of, kind of screwed here because of all the tampering and, and, and all the inducement that's going on. But 
Um, in terms of the kids making money, no. I mean, I I, I don't know. We're I I I'd say get I, I support you getting all you can and and you know chasing what you feel like is the right situations um, and and the best for your you and your family because there are no guarantees you know beyond college. But I I don't know. I, I think that's it, it's I I I've also heard from people who are like, how can you you know sort of root for the destruction of like the middle class college football program? And I, I certainly don't like I, I I totally get that fear. I totally get that that idea that well, you know, nobody wants to be a feeder school for the big schools, right? No one no one wants to like you want to feel like if a kid's coming there and you've you know won on an evaluation and, and you found a stud, you want to believe that, that that kid wants to stay there for three, four years and, and have a great career and those are the kids you root for. And so yeah, it sucks when those guys go somewhere else. Um I get the the fan you know angst about it and the coach angst about it, but um, it doesn't necessarily mean I think that, you know, like it created a free market. So what do you think was going to happen? You know, I mean, I, I don't know how, I, I suppose my feelings on it are, are kind of continue, continue to evolve. Where, where are you at? Um, I have like good for the players who can get whatever they're getting, especially when they're in college. Yeah. Um, I think I probably feel probably a little more of conflicted is, is the right way to put it when you're hearing about players who are getting seven figures and they haven't really done anything it's just like yep you don't know are they really going to get seven figures or they get like what are what are they actually signing on for like the part that i'm fascinated by is people are going to assume somebody is getting whatever's been alleged or reported or said on social media, they may not actually be ultimately, that's not like a contract that most normal people have. So is that actually the money they're getting? Or is that just the money that they're saying, you know, that's how that contract's going to work with incentives that everything goes that way. Like that's the part where I'm like, Ooh, there's a little bit of a shell game there. I think. Um, I mean, a lot of this stuff does feel exaggerated and does sound exaggerated a little bit. Um, and also I've talked to coaches who've pointed out to me, like the thing that we have to pay attention to is that there are going to be some kids that get to a school and were promised certain stuff. And then they don't get what they were promised too. So like, how is, you know what I mean? How is, how is that stuff going to work? Cause I know the, 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 in concept, you know, the collective sounds like a very exciting thing to have, but like, where's going to, where's the follow through going to be with all of these in terms of, of making the payments you said you were going to make too. Right. And if it comes to if it comes to players in the program, if all of a sudden they're stepping up, like you have businesses that are stepping up to support those players, you know, that's good because the truth is most of them are not going to go on to have lucrative NFL careers. They're going to, you know, maybe they'll be in a training camp or, you know, like something and maybe they'll kick around for a year and then, you know, they're going to do whatever they're going to do. And, you know, good that, that that's they're they're getting benefits from it. You know, at, at that point is how I, I look at it. Um, I I did want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. So we're talking portal. Who do you think will be the three or four biggest impact guys uh, in new places? But also, um, you know, there's there's guys out there like who do you think will be the Bailey Zappi, who's a guy that nobody really knew much about at their previous place. You know, there's a player at Albany State, D Lyman, who ends up transferring to Florida State. He blows yep. up, gets yep. hot. Like, give me your three guys that you think will be big impact guys, and then the other three guys that you should know about that maybe nobody knows about. 
Well, in, in terms of like the most impactful guys, like obviously you, you have to start with, I think Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison at USC. I'm not saying that I think USC is, you know, ready to go make a playoff run this year, you know, by any means, but I think in terms of, in terms of just flipping that program um, and making USC, I would think one of the, the, probably one of the most watched teams in the country this year, right? Like, do you think the ratings on SC games are going to be pretty, pretty sick just because people are going to be fascinated to see like sort of how this all comes together? Absolutely. I, I think there'll be an interesting little not betting proposition, but who puts up bigger numbers, Caleb or Dylan Gabriel? Or, and, and I was going to say like the, the other guy, you know, Jackson darts, another one that I feel like has a chance to, to really, if he can win the job at Ole Miss has a chance to make a huge impact. Um, now Jackson I, dart will probably be playing the toughest defenses of the three quarterbacks on that. That's list. true. That's true. I, I'm really excited to see what Dylan Gabriel can do in 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 this new Oklahoma offense um, led by Jeff Levy. I think they've got good pieces around him. They've got good backs. Um, you know, I I think that that's a guy that probably nationally kind of fell off the radar a little bit for most folks just because of the the injury in September um, at, at UCF, and and so he's he's got this kind of comeback year um, with a you know new staff and kind of a new situation here, but like. Dylan Gabriel's got a chance to be as productive as anybody in the country just because he he's going to be pretty comfortable with with what's going on uh, offensively there. Um, so I think that's a big one. And I think J- Jameer Gibbs will probably be the other one. I think there's everyone's going to be talking about him um, this fall, I would think. I mean, obviously, Alabama's got their good backs, but, um, you know, what they've done in the portal this year, you know, Alabama is going to be one of those schools that they're not going to take 10, 15 guys from the portal. They're going to take, you know, high, high quality guys that fit their needs. And in, in this case, like I, you know, you've heard rave reviews about Jameer Gibbs, even going back to their, you know, uh, their postseason practices about when, as soon as he got there, it's just a guy that was going to be a huge difference maker. Um, one of the best all purpose players in the ACC. And I think he fits, <laughs> fits really well with what they're going to do and, and, and can have that kind of Jameson Williams kind of like blow up um, this year. It, you know, a guy that maybe na- again, nationally, he put up great numbers at Georgia tech, but um, you know, I think he's a guy that everyone's going to be talking about this fall and, and, and interested to see how, you know, Eli Ricks and Jermaine Merton and the other guys that, that are going to Bama sort of how many of them um, can, can raise their game and, and become maybe that prospect that they're being hyped up to be right now. Um, in terms of like the under the radar guys, before we go to that, let me ask you one yeah, thing. Ahead. You mentioned Dart. Which of these three quarterbacks do you think throws for the most touchdowns? Jackson Dart, JT Daniels, or Keaton Slovis? I thought you were going to throw Rattler in there too. These guys are all kind of interconnected, aren't they? They're all interconnected. Um, they didn't overlap because I don't think Dart overlapped with JT Daniels, but. Right, right. Okay, you said Dart, Daniels, and who? And Slovis. Slovis. You know, I think I would take Dart. I mean, I know he's got to, you know, he's still got to beat out Luke Altmaier, but like, (laughs) I really think that from everyone I talked to, like, I think Jackson Dart's a a dude. You know, I I do. I think he's, and and they've, you know, certainly they've got a lot of new pieces uh, offensively at, you know, at the skill spots at at Ole Miss, but um, I love the pieces they've brought together, um, you know, whether it's, you know, Zach Evans and, and Ulysses Bentley at running back or Michael Trigg at tight end or all the wideouts they added. Like if he's the guy there, like I think he's going to put up pretty big numbers. And, um, you know, so I, I think I probably I probably like him the most of those three. But, you know, certainly all guys that are going to, to prove something this fall. 
Yeah, I can't wait to see the backyard brawl between the. And it's not like there's bad yeah. blood between those two guys, but yeah, just. And you also have, you know, the the subplot there. You have Graham Harrell, who coached, you know, has got pretty close to to Slovis now. He's coaching, you know, on the other sideline. Um, and Slovis, like, was was you know, it's. I think these are two guys that are both trying to kind of get back to where they've been. I mean, Slovis. Um, you know, really was impressive as a freshman um, and, and, and really had a breakout year. It's easy for people to forget how good JT Daniels was at the end of 2020. You know, I mean, he was able to really open up that Georgia offense and, you know, he led them to the win over Cincinnati in, in the New Year's Six Bowl. Um, I mean, I, I think those are two guys that can, can you put them, kind of, can, you know, get fully healthy and kind of put them in the right situation around them where, um, you know, they, they can go out and, play you know kind of be their best selves i I, i'm you know really going to be curious to see how quickly it clicks for them especially in in daniel's case is a guy that sat out the spring and has got a lot of catching up to do no doubt um all right so the other side of it as we mentioned um you get the bailey zappy who had a huge impact and um going from houston baptist uh, obviously to western kentucky yep um if you Who read the athletic, you heard about him at West you, Kent, yeah, you would Baptist. Know. We were on it. You would know yep. about his OC, uh, Zach Kitley. I wonder what where did Zach Kitley end up? Oh, yeah, that's he's right. doing all right. Yeah, he's yeah. he's I've heard he's at Texas Tech now. Doing pretty good. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh are you are you gonna go all in on the on the Albany State Great Dane, who's now in Tallahassee, Jared Burst? Where you give us give us three guys. Who like okay? You probably ne- didn't pay attention to them where they were last year, but you need to know where they are now. Yeah, I think Cameron Ward's a guy. Obviously, I've I've hyped him a lot. Um, a, a, an incarnate word, uh, just super super productive player there under Eric Morris. Um, a, a guy that really impressed a lot of people at the FCS level. And when he went in the portal, um, you know, he he took a visit to Ole Miss and uh, along with Dylan Gabriel and and. Uh, you know, ultimately decided to follow Eric Morris to Washington State. Um, you know, that's that's a, a team that has, you know, new OC, new staff overall, really. And they've got to, you know, do a good job of kind of finding the right pieces around him. Uh, but I think Cameron Ward uh, is, a, is a guy that people probably haven't, even if you've heard the name, you've probably never really watched him play a game, you know, unless you've got that. Um, <laughs> unless you've got that ESPN plus or whatever. Um, yeah. Jared verse at Florida state, you know, he's a guy that he's not, you know, he's not one of those players that only has one year left, like a Jermaine Johnson. So he's got time to develop still at Florida state and kind of catch up to playing at the power five level, but, but uh, certainly big expectations for him. There's two receivers that I think are going to be pretty, pretty fun to watch this fall. Uh, guys that put up really good numbers last year and now are in bigger, bigger situations. I think the first is Isaiah Nair who went from, um, Wyoming to Texas. And, you know, obviously Texas was going after Jordan Addison and trying to get as much talent as they could. They've got Xavier Worthy coming back and Jordan Whittington. But I think Isaiah Nair is one of those players that that um, people are going to notice right away just in terms of a, a big playmaker and, and was really good last year at Wyoming. Um, and then Jacob Cowing is, is a guy that went from UTEP to Arizona. Uh, we wrote about him this spring. Um, you know, obviously, Bruce, they've got a, a lot of new pieces uh, on offense there at at Arizona under Jed Fish, but I think Jacob Cowing is a guy that that is, has a chance to to really uh, you know shine in that offense. And and uh, if people didn't watch him at UTEP last year, um, you know a little bit smaller guy, but man, he he makes a lot of plays. Yeah, that is going to be I think an interesting team to watch. You know, Tedaroa McMillan is a was a T-Mac. huge recruit for yeah. for Arizona. Great ball skills came in and wowed them in the spring. You have Jaden Delora who 
you know, you had Cam uh, Ward come in. He left. Uh, he did some good things in the spring. So they're they're definitely interesting. I think they'll be a lot better. Um, you know, it's funny when you were talking about Wyoming, I remember watching the bowl game and I am sitting there blanking on where their quarterback transferred because he went off, you know, ran for a lot, threw for a lot. And I'm like, and I'm going to put you on the spot. Where did he go? I believe he went to Utah State. Ooh, you know what? Both of their quarterbacks that. transferred. So he is going to not play much, I don't think, because they still have seventh year former Arkansas State quarterback Logan Bonner there. <laughs> they do. Yeah. You're talking about Levi Williams? I am. Good player. And, want- you know, Wyoming was one of those that was hit. Uh, you talk about like being a feeder school. Wyoming got hit pretty hard in terms of the portal. Um, they got a running back. Uh, who transferred uh, Zayun Valade, who's at uh, Arizona State now. I think he's a guy that's going to blow up as well. They've, they've just going to be some good good Wyoming players out there this fall. Wow. I did, you're right. Levi Williams did go to Utah State. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because we're just talking about the Wyoming getting hit. I wonder, you know, if this rule was in place and going the way it was, where, did jo- where would Josh Allen have been for his last year of, of college <laughs> football? Yeah, I mean, you'd think maybe a Josh Allen has got has got that loyalty to Wyoming as a guy that you know nobody really wanted out of the JC ranks, right? It was JC, right? Yeah, uh, was it Reedley? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, where he went. so so maybe he's one of those that even as he was blowing up, is is you know it never crosses his mind to leave because these are the guys that bet on him and all that. But yeah, if you put Josh Allen out there as a as a one year rental, which you're right nowadays, that probably is going to happen in a lot of cases. Now, sometimes you can't like Jake Hayner tried to leave and then and had to go back to Fresno State because he couldn't transfer or whatever. But like, um, I, I think nowadays, like yeah, Josh Allen that goes out on the market um, with one year to play or two years to play, um, that guy's going to do pretty well. Yeah, the 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 uh, talking to the NFL um, position coach about. Something we talked about Sky Moore, who was in the Mac, you know, and was yep. a really good player. And he, one of the things he said is, I think people really value that he stayed loyal to them and could have left. And it's interesting. Does that mean that people will ding somebody because so many of these guys are leaving to go their last place? I don't know. Yeah, I was talking uh, with uh, the receivers coach at uh, North Dakota State for a, a draft write up on Christian Watson, who's with the Packers now, and. You know, they took him out of uh, they, they found him out in Tampa and were able to get him to come all the way to Fargo. And I asked him, like, how worried were you that he would leave? And he's like, I was extremely worried he would leave that, especially in 2020 when COVID hit, you know, and and, and kids go back home and stuff. He was thinking, like, for sure, this kid's going to go transfer to like Florida State or something. Right. Because, yeah. you know, they want to be closer to home. And he uh, later on in his like uh, towards the end of his time at North Dakota State, he asked him, like, um, you know, why didn't you leave? And he was like, coach, I never, th- I just never crossed my mind. Never thought about it. <laughs> so like some of these kids, you know, they are really grateful for, I mean, and, and certainly North Dakota state, you're winning national championships and all that. So you got a pretty good situation overall, but um, yeah, it is sometimes now it almost feels a little bit more miraculous when you can um, hang on to that, that guy. And um, you know, he, he doesn't really feel like there is, you know, the grass is greener somewhere else. Uh, so on that vein, I'm going to read to you a, message I got from a coach this is around the freaks list and he gave me all the information and then got back to me said I'm really torn about giving giving that info to you has the game gone to the power five guys just watch us and take our great ones did I mess that up by trying to help a kid your thoughts (laughs) and so I was like well the story won't come out till a week from Monday so I imagine it'd be too late to somebody to poach your kid 
But so. you're saying maybe we be careful about just not, you know, if, if a guy's really good, let's maybe not go tell the world how good we think he is. Yeah, this guy was like, I'm trying to help the kid get him out there. But like, you know, it's like fortunate that the freaks list came out in like right around just the start of training camp as opposed to like now or like two months earlier. <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah. Freaks list should come out in August, um, you know, when, when it's too late for a kid to to go bail and go play for somebody else. Um, I, had, I had a conversation with the coach this spring who was like, I don't think I'm going to put out a depth chart at the end of the spring because I don't want to give anybody else a reason to transfer, which you know, seemed a little extreme to me, but I kind of get thinking now, like everyone is, is very on guard about, they have a reason um, to be paranoid. They do. If you're paranoid at that point, they always were paranoid, but they definitely are some real reasons to be paranoid now for sure. Yeah. Max, I appreciate you stepping in and classing the place up. Uh, as always, um, send your questions to the old pod at gmail.com. Um, I don't know what the what the instance is if there's like some kind of celebrity thing where like the fill in guest is is more value than the than the usual. But um, but anyway, maybe maybe the like overall here, my my time on this show is has made your listener even more grateful for Stu and they're excited to have him back next time. You know? Yeah. Um, how do you feel about Stu becoming such a recruiting aficionado in the last year? It's pretty incredible pretty it's it's pretty incredible yeah um you know life comes at you fast you know <laughs> um I, I i what can what can you say like it, it's just a it's a, it's a real change in time right now bruce you gotta you gotta keep up um it, it's uh I, I don't know do you, do you is it does it bother you more i mean it doesn't I'm, I'm bother me it's, it's just shocking to me when he is sending out um tweets and screenshots of where recruits are taking their visits and i'm like who are you you know yeah i know i know it's uh it it, we we all just have to bow down to you like you said the new the new wilt fong uh out there is is Stu mandel i mean it's what what a a time to be alive it's nuts it just can't get or it's like it's like going to lunch with him and going you know what no diet coke. Just give me bourbon, and then just. <laughs> Are you going to bring him to the Elite Eleven Finals? I mean, he's got to be famous among these people now. Oh my God! I, I bring him. He's going to be there. I'm sure it's <laughs> like, you know, it'd be him and Ari, and like he could give. He should be giving them a seminar on how to get paid. Yeah, I think that'd be good. <laughs> I will leave that there. So, uh, thank you very much for pinch hitting. It was fun. We have a lot of uh, have a lot of My recruiting storylines to follow, but a lot in the portal. So, um, any story you want to plug before we go? Mm, no, no. I think right. we're, I got, I got a TCU state of the program. We'll have that out next week. Um, like I said, fun to visit them and and uh, kind of see their new direction uh, under Sonny Dykes after. 21 seasons with Gary Patterson, big, big, uh, big reversal there. So did it feel uh, at all different to be in, in Fort worth or, and not be in GP, not be hovering around. It, it felt quite different. Um, I, I, I was able to walk through you know hallway there and actually say hi to people and actually talk to both coordinators for an hour, which I've never even met the coordinators, um, in the past at ECU, like, you know, when Sonny Dykes and, and, and Doug Eachum, who's still there. And some of those guys, like, you know, seem like real nice guys, never got to sit down with them before. Uh, so it was, 
it was nice uh, meeting some coordinators and talking to the head coach. And uh, yeah, access wise, a, a little different deal around there right now. Yeah, I'm going to get there in July and I can't imagine the difference because I used to go there all the time just because I have family in that area. And so even I don't even know what league they were in. It was probably in every time from Mountain West to the overhang of Big Ten, Big East. But just it was very different, but it was still GP, you know, kind of land. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. So I might think different. I mean, I, yeah, I, I my conversations with Gary Patterson were always uh, always fascinating. So, yeah, those, those I did. I did look forward to those when I'd go visit, um, but uh, you know, appreciate the hospitality from the folks at TCU. And yeah, I guess that's what I got coming up next. What do you got? Uh, I have a state of the program on the aforementioned uh, Washington state Cougars. And I'm going to be Wazoo. talking to uh, Mr. Ward as well as Eric right Morris and Jake Dickard. So um, you could check that out. Hopefully it's going to run next week. I better hustle. So it's going it's to run next <laughs> time week. to start doing that. Yeah. yeah time, time to get off my butt. <laughs> All right, Max. We will talk to you soon. Thanks. Thanks, for, man. Thanks for joining us.